Hey, everybody. It is Monday, February 13th. I hope you're all recovering well from your Super Bowl hangovers. You're listening to the <laughs> Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Shwanunu. And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. All right, Moshe, let's get to the headlines. The Super Bowl gave us a little bit of everything. A close game, a Rihanna halftime show, an ad jam-packed with celebs. Is it more balloons or are the aliens coming for us? The U.S. shoots down several more objects over the weekend across Canada and the United States. We'll have the latest. The death toll from the earthquake continues to grow as the U.N. admits it has failed Syria. The latest from that chemical train derailment on the Ohio-Pennsylvania border. Residents have been told that they can return, although they're not sure that they should. How fast food restaurants appear to be capitalizing as inflation hikes up food costs. And as we all get ready for Valentine's Day tomorrow, we go to India. And Mosh has on this day in history. We got some Jerry Springer and some Tupac for you, Jill. All right, Jill, let's get to the big story. I know most of you were watching it last night. Super Bowl 57 for the second straight year. A really great game between evenly matched team. And we got a winner in the final minutes. In the case of last night, in the final seconds, the Kansas City Chiefs kicking a field goal to beat the Philadelphia Eagles to win Super Bowl 57. The final score, Kansas City 38, Philadelphia 35. It was a really remarkable second half because at halftime, the Eagles were leading 24 to 14 in a relatively commanding fashion. Notably, teams leading by double digits at halftime, like the Eagles by 10 points, were 26 and 1 historically in Super Bowl history. They are now 26 and 2 all time as the Chiefs defied history. In that second half, the Chiefs went on to score 24 points during a truly epic second half that went back and forth until the final seconds. It is now Kansas City's second championship in three years. They won back in 2020, lost in 2021, and now won again in 2023. A really impressive run in these past few years. And it comes as their quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, was named league MVP this year and the Super Bowl MVP. And he's only 27 years old. He already has two Super Bowl wins, two Super Bowl MVP awards, two NFL MVP awards in just five years in the league. He already looks like he has a safe place in the NFL Hall of Fame with many, many years left in this league. But Jill, I know you were watching last night, not for the game, but for the halftime show. Give me your thoughts. (laughs) Well, you know me too well, Mosh. First of all, I thought Rihanna was good. Right. I don't think it was like the most amazing, epic, iconic halftime show, um, but she crushed it as, as she always does. Of course, she did her greatest hits, which she said she was going to do. The big news, though, that broke after the halftime show, Rihanna, as was speculated during the performance, is pregnant, which is incredible that she did that. I don't know how pregnant she is, uh, but quite impressive. Yeah, she she uh, certainly gave a lot of speculation. She discussed previous to the performance that she was going to bring a special guest. But then, of course, we watched the performance. There were no guests. So then the speculation was, well, is the guest in utero? <laughs> she rubbed her belly strategically. Her um, There wasn't the much a way of like aggressive choreography. The outfit certainly accentuated the belly. So everyone was Googling it. And then some people were saying like, well, she's only nine months postpartum let's give her you know the benefit of the doubt but that didn't stop the speculation and then obviously the confirmation came soon thereafter so that's what i was thinking because i was on twitter during her performance to just get the reaction and i kept seeing everybody asking is she pregnant is she pregnant and i'm like give the girl a break i mean she's just a regular like in my house at least that's what women look like after they have babies at least that's what i looked like and i was watching with my family um 
I don't know. I mean, I'm seven months postpartum and you still have a baby bump. I mean, unless some women don't, but that's kind of just the way it works. So I was just thinking good for her, but I guess she, you know, she is Rihanna. She she's and she's pregnant. She's going for Irish. She's going for <laughs> Irish twins here. I say this, my brother and I are only about 14 months apart. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> my mother was similar. So uh, the performance itself, though, very Squid Games-ish, right? In terms of the look, the uh, set design, the floating above Phoenix. Uh, thankfully, as we take out objects above American cities and lakes, uh, the US Air Force wasn't too aggressive uh, with something floating over the stadium. Um, so that was very cool. What do you make of the musical choices? I loved everything she sang. Bitch better at my money. Where have you been? Only girl in the world. We found love. Rude boy. Work. Wild thoughts. Pour it up. All the lights. Run this town. Umbrella. And she closed it out with diamonds. I will say I would have loved a guest. And it's nothing against Rihanna. It's just, I'd love a guest. I, you know, I selfishly, yeah. I want more talent on this stage. We've also gotten used to it through the years. I mean, some of the most uh, iconic performances, whether it was like Aerosmith 20 years ago with, uh, you know, Timberlake and Britney. Um, and then in more recent years, you know, last year's medley of folks, um, you know, with 50 appearing suddenly out of the blue, upside down. Eminem. Exactly. These ensembles. Yeah. Um, and you had Jay-Z just a few feet away with Blue Ivy. So, you know, we were expecting somebody to throw him a mic. <laughs> uh, again, not taking anything away from Rihanna, but just sort of the expectations over the years now have sort of built up into these kind of ensemble expectations. Okay, Moshe, I know your favorite part of the game. The commercials, a 30-second Super Bowl ad, it costs up to $7 million bucks a pop this year. That breaks last year's record of $6.5 million. It's a big deal. 110 million people estimated to watch. Uh, we'll get those numbers probably tomorrow. Beer, Doritos, avocados from Mexico, M&Ms, planters, as well as a smattering of ads for car companies and tech firms. Notably, cryptocurrency companies were pretty absent. Of course, we had our share of booze as well. So what did you think, Mosh? I was really digging the ads this year, Jill. I was also in a environment we were just watching it was me and my wife and my mother-in-law watching the game tonight so i know that when you're at those parties the super bowl parties it's very hard to watch the ads so maybe in previous years the ads were just as good or better i just couldn't hear them uh but i did like a few of them i mean i think the the first quarter ad that a lot of people were talking about was ben affleck at dunkin donuts with the j-lo cameo um bradley cooper and his mom for t-mobile i thought was very cute and very well done um I was always a Zoolander fan, so Ben Stiller coming back as uh, Zoolander for a quick moment was great. Um, and I I don't know, I think the writing and the timing was just so good, but the Hellman's mayonnaise ad with like <laughs> Brie Larson and John Hamm, like I'm Brie, you're Hamm, and with Pete Davidson, he's like, dude, Pete Davidson really is everywhere. Uh, I thought it was really well done and felt very organic. So those, those were like my favorites. Mosh, I love me some Bradley Cooper with his mom. Uh, Alicia Silverstone apparently just doesn't age at all. It's like her and Paul Rudd still look like they're back in Clueless. And I did love the J-Lo ad with Ben Affleck, especially after the Grammys where there was just so much drama. <laughs> and I felt like it kind of was in line with their personalities, the ad. The ads this year really played on uh, nostalgia. Um, there was also a Caddyshack ad. Uh, Will Ferrell did a throwback. There was also an Uber One ad that had Diddy, Montel Jordan, Khalees, and Donna Lewis uh, singing some of their hits, uh, which was uh, 
fun to see. And I will tell you, I've been an iPhone person for a while, but Google Pixel uh, did an ad for like their new phone with their new feature that allows you to just edit out certain parts of images that uh, featured Amy Schumer, Doja Cat, which I thought was very cool as well. But uh, we've uh, linked to a whole bunch of them on the uh, Modu's Instagram feed if you want to check them out. Moshe, I do think that Babyface crushed America the Beautiful. And my favorite part was my niece asking, is Babyface his real name? And we're like, <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Babyface is not his real name. Anyway, all in all, a good, uh, a good night. Switching gears, it's been an extremely busy weekend in the skies over North America. Three unidentified objects have been shot down in the past three days, and there have been a few more scares beyond that. The U.S. military shot down the first object in Alaskan airspace on Friday, causing it to land in U.S. Arctic waters. It also placed near the largest oil fields in Alaska, and recovery is still taking place up there. Then on Saturday, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau ordered NORAD to shoot down an unidentified object over the Yukon Territory. Yukon is in the northwest of Canada, next to Alaska. And then finally yesterday, the U.S. shot down another object over Lake Huron to the northeast of the state of Michigan. Officials are working to recover the wreckage of all of the objects. They hope it'll give them more information about their origins and purposes. All of this taking place in the aftermath of the Chinese surveillance balloon that was taken down over the Atlantic Ocean last weekend after crossing Canada and into the U.S., No official word from Canadian or U.S. defense officials on the two new objects. But Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer of New York was on TV Sunday. He revealed a little bit more. He says he was briefed on the objects that were shot down over Alaska and Canada and said that they were, in fact, balloons, although a lot smaller than the one shot down off of South Carolina last week. And then late Sunday, the Pentagon gave us a couple of details on the object that was over Lake Huron. It was octagon-shaped, unmanned, traveling at about 20,000 feet where planes fly, Although not a military threat. Do, 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 like this octagon thing. I mean, Jill, it comes as uh, there was a CNN report about a couple of the objects over Canada and Alaska that got our attention. So the reporting here, Jill, is fast and furious. Even as we were updating this podcast, we found out about that latest balloon that was shot down on Sunday afternoon. So we'll try to keep everyone uh, updated as this continues to evolve here. This CNN report from those first two objects, Friday and Saturday, got our attention. Some pilots also claimed that there was no identifiable propulsion on the object, so they couldn't actually explain how it was staying in the air, despite cruising at an altitude of about 40,000 feet. And that 40,000 feet is important and is one of the reasons why they're shooting these things down, because that is just about the height where commercial jets fly. And then, Jill, beyond those three, at least, that were shot down as we record this on Sunday evening, there were two more scares over the weekend. There was a shutdown of airspace over Lake Michigan uh, near Wisconsin uh, at some point on Sunday. And then there was a shutdown of airspace over Montana over what they thought was another object on Saturday. I've been using a DJ Khaled meme on my Instagram account, Jill. Another one, another one, as he's known to say in his music, because like literally this is how it feels right now. And so that's leading to the question as to what is going on here. Is this new? Is this part of some larger invasion? Is this aliens? Or are we just changing the way we sense things and shooting things down that we didn't shoot down before? And that is sort of where we're at in the discussion. Uh, one intelligence source telling the Washington Post over the weekend that the incursion from the Chinese balloon uh, a little over a week ago has changed how analysts receive and interpret information from radars and sensors. So 
the way they compare it, Jill, is that basically the U.S. government has now opened the filters. So the same way you search for buying a car or say you're buying a house on Zillow and you uncheck boxes to increase the aperture or increase your options, that is sort of how the U.S. government, at least according to this Intel official, has broadened the parameters for what can be searched what can be brought down? I mean, keep in mind, as we've learned recently about those balloons that came over U.S. land during the Trump administration that we, quote unquote, didn't know about before. Maybe it's just that we weren't looking for objects this small, and now we are, and that's why we're seeing more of this. But there is frustration, Jill, among Democrats and Republicans who took to the airwaves on Sunday being like, we need explanation from the White House. What is going on here? We need to know like, what exactly you guys are seeing who it's from, because the Alaska one, the Canada one, as well as the Lake Huron one, as we speak right now, we don't have details on exactly what they are and who they're from. You know, certain stories, Mosh, just resonate with people. I start getting text messages from people about certain stories, and I know that kind of they've they've pushed a button. And this is one of them where people are like, what? is going on. Yeah. It's just alarming, whatever it is. It's alarming. And that's what we want to know. And so we'll keep everyone up to date because everyone's asking like, Mosh, like, what do we know about this? And I was like, literally, we don't like we're waiting for, you know, a bunch of top Intel officials and defense officials to explain, is this new? Is this a threat? Or are we just knocking down every balloon that's floating out there, whether or not they're military or not? And it all comes as the Chinese leader, Xi, has invited Iranian President Ibrahim Raisi to China for a trip starting Tuesday. The two U.S. rivals are looking at a way to further cooperate. Raisi will meet with Xi and their delegations, will sign cooperation documents, and business leaders will also meet. Yeah, it's a nice way for them to start Valentine's Day, Jill, on Tuesday. <laughs> Raisi's visit does come as Iran and China are looking to get closer on this Valentine's Day, uh, deep in the ties politically, economically. They both have issues with America, so this sort of deepens an anti-U.S. alliance of sorts. China is a major buyer of Iranian oil, an important source of investment in that country. Uh, back in 2021, Iran and China actually signed a 25-year strategic cooperation agreement. So they're looking to build upon that. So that's something we're going to look out for this week. Okay, before we get to the speed read here, let's take a moment to thank our sponsors this week. I want to start with Harry's. Harry's is a brand I've been using for years for a great shave. My wife actually found their aftershave a couple years ago, and I've been a loyal customer ever since. Uh, I'm now trying their shaving cream as well, and I'm so excited now. They are joining as a partner with a special deal for Mo News listeners. I just got one of their five-blade razors as well, a nice weighted handle on that thing. And so right now they're offering to all Mo News listeners their $15 Truman Shave trial set for just $3 over at harrys.com slash Mo News. It's a $15 value that you're getting for a limited time for just $3. Includes the razor, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover, a key to put on top of your blade. So you, you know, cut yourself in your dop kit, keeps the blade clean as well. You can also schedule a replacement blade delivery whenever you need them for as low as $2. I'm genuinely a big fan of Harry's. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Again, you can get their Truman Shave trial set for just $3 over at harrys.com slash mo news. That's harrys.com slash mo news. All right, now to our next sponsor, Athletic Greens. I have been taking their AG1 supplement every morning. The Athletic Greens AG1 powder is just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning. It's easy, it's quick, and it lets you get on with your day. Knowing that you've gotten over 75 important ingredients, including tons of vitamins and minerals, it also has pre and probiotics to support digestion and gut health. With your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of their vitamin D, 
and five free travel packs of AG1. Just visit athleticgreens.com slash monews to take advantage of this offer. You can get a discounted monthly subscription or you could try it one time for just a month. Again, head to athleticgreens.com slash monews. That's M-O-N-E-W-S for this special deal and really start to take ownership of your health. Okay, time now for the speed read from the Washington Post. We're now one week after those historic earthquakes in Turkey and Syria, and we have seen some miracles over the weekend. Dozens of victims were found alive in the rubble across Turkey and Syria, including a family of five, although it comes as officials are starting to lose hope, and the death toll has now climbed above 33,000. More than 30,000 are dead in Turkey alone. The chances of survival for those who remain trapped under the rubble are falling by the hour. Officials have warned that the toll is likely an underestimation. More than 1.1 million people are staying in temporary accommodation centers in Turkey. The ongoing Syrian civil war and multiple military conflicts in that region continue to hamper relief efforts. A UN emergency relief coordinator said during a visit to the Turkish-Syrian border that we have so far failed the people in northwest Syria and people there are rightly abandoned. Getting aid to certain parts of Syria has been deeply complicated by a civil war that's left the country divided under conflicting political control, the Syrian government blocking aid to rebel-controlled regions. Yeah, northwest Syria is among the places that they have now shifted to recovering bodies instead of trying to find survivors and helping people who are already displaced. Though, as you noted, Jill, some survivors were extracted from the rubble over the weekend, that's uh, in some cases more than 130 hours after the quakes. Uh, the chances of finding more people are dwindling, but there was that family of five found in Turkey on Saturday, all alive. Really remarkable images from there. They were actually among nearly 80 people found alive from the rubble on Saturday. That is five days after the earthquake. That also included a 70-year-old woman and a 55-year-old woman in two separate locations. Meanwhile, Turkish authorities are focused on assigning blame for the disaster now. The Justice Ministry in that country are targeting more than 130 people so far that they allege were involved in shoddy or illegal construction methods that were not up to par with earthquake standards. Turkey's official construction codes on paper meet current earthquake engineering standards, but they are rarely enforced, at least until now, explaining why thousands and thousands of buildings in that country toppled over or pancaked down onto the people inside and uh, are one of the reasons we're seeing uh, this immense death toll. Back here in the U.S. from the Associated Press, residents forced to evacuate the area around the Ohio town of East Palestine are beginning to trickle back home. That is, after being told late last week that hundreds of air and water samples showed no dangerous levels of toxins. That followed the planned explosion and burn of five of the tankers holding chemicals that were among nearly 50 train cars that derailed in the community on Friday, February 3rd. But despite officials saying it's safe, some residents have complained about headaches and feeling sick since the derailment. There are also a number of reports of pets and local animals that are sick or dying in the last week. Adding to the concern from residents, a couple of Pennsylvania residents filed a federal lawsuit Thursday in the derailment of that train that was carrying those toxic chemicals. They're seeking to force Norfolk Southern, the train company responsible for the train and the crash, to set up health monitoring for residents in both states. The lawsuit calls for the rail operator to pay damages and set up medical screenings and related care for anyone living within a 30-mile radius 
of the derailment to determine who was affected by toxic substances. Yeah, I've been receiving so much feedback on this story. People really wanting to know more because they're hearing from the government officials, everything's okay. But they're like, it still smells weird in the air. And there literally are animals uh, ill or dying around me. Should I be concerned? So Norfolk Southern, this is a massive US railway company that's worth right now about $55 billion. Uh, So far, they've offered a $25,000 donation to the area's residents. There are 5,000 residents, Jill. So if you run the numbers there, that equals $5 a resident. Uh, And these are the residents that were forced to evacuate their homes. Uh, They've gotten a lot of flack for that and a lot of ridicule. I imagine they will be uh, paying more at some point. As of right now, Norfolk Southern has also established a family assistance center that they say addresses the needs of the community. It isn't clear, though, exactly what this center is doing so far. So we're still awaiting details there. Uh, And we should note here, context is important. Norfolk Southern has a long history of lobbying against safety regulations when it comes to these train cars. They fought an effort several years ago by the Federal Railroad Administration to upgrade the brake system on these trains. And we should note this brake system, they call it Civil War era, Jill. Right now, the air brakes that are used on most U.S. trains were developed in the 1860s. So there's a whole bunch of regulations proposed back during the Obama administration to modernize the braking system to what's called ECP brakes, uh, electronic brakes. And initially, companies like Norfolk Southern were totally on board with this, then began lobbying against it, saying this is going to cost us too much money. They're lobbyists uh, back to a whole bunch of politicians. And so those regulations uh, started to be eaten away at during Obama, then during Trump significantly. And so far, the Biden administration has done nothing to try to impose those regulations. Keep in mind when we're talking about industrial railroad and chemicals across this country. We're talking about 2 million plus car loads, 140,000 miles of track. Though the industry does like to say that 99.9% of the cars do make it to their end location safely. You said civil war. Yes, Jill. I had to read that twice. I was like, wait, I just want to make sure I have this right. Yes, that is how far back some of the technology being used right now on these trains is. And that's why so many folks think it's so overdue to increase the regulations and why, you know, $25,000 donation to a community of 5,000 is such, uh, you know, uh, so insulting to so many people because they're like, you're a $55 billion company that is lobbied against regulations because of cost. Something doesn't add up here. I mean, I know I'm tired on a Monday morning, but I, I thought I was dreaming when you said it's from the technology from the Civil War. Um, anyway, Neil Donahue is a professor of chemistry over at Carnegie Mellon University said he is worried that the burning could have formed dioxins, which are created from burning chlorinated carbon materials. Dioxins are a group of persistent environmental pollutants that last in the ground and the body for years. Experts are also worried about vapors from the burn. Yeah, so that's the big thing. There was the initial train derailment and then the judgment by officials that they had to do what they called a controlled explosion and burn of about several of the cars that uh, had hazardous materials in them. The cars contain things like vinyl chloride, hydrogen chloride, and the toxic gas phosgene. They believe that this controlled burn was necessary to prevent a larger explosion. Phosgene, by the way, is a highly toxic, colorless gas with an odor that can cause vomiting, breathing trouble. It was actually used as a weapon back in World War I. So a lot of throwback here. Uh, the bottom line is, again, government officials say everything is clear. Community officials say 
it still smells weird and it feels uh, like we shouldn't be here right now. So this is a story we'll continue to monitor. And uh, again, to the professor you mentioned, there are long-term issues here like dioxins, like vapors that could uh, stay in the community for a long time that uh, community members feel are not being effectively measured right now. From Reuters, the FBI recovered one additional government page with classified markings during a consensual search on Friday at the Indianapolis residence of former Vice President Mike Pence. The search came after Pence's attorney notified the National Archives in a letter last month about the discovery of records with classified markings. Those records were then turned over to the FBI. In addition to locating one page with classified markings, the FBI also recovered six additional pages of interest without classified markings. Drip. <laughs> Jill, Drip. I feel like the DJ Khaled mean for another balloon, another one, another one. I feel like it also works for the classified records uh, story. So we're on balloon watch and we're on classified records watch. If you don't have a balloon over your house, you might have a classified page inside your house. That search of Pence's home comes as both President Trump and President Biden face investigations by two separate special counsels into their retention of classified records. It also comes, as we learned on Friday, that Trump's legal team has turned over even more materials with classified markings and a laptop belonging to an aide to federal prosecutors in recent months. That's after the search warrant over the summer. So that now shows that there's even more stuff in Mar-a-Lago, even after the FBI search. The Trump attorneys also apparently handed over an empty folder marked classified evening briefing. And so these handovers happen in December and January. And so we'll continue to watch this, Jill. Uh, one thing we should uh, continue to make note of, the Biden and Pence teams continue to appear to cooperate with the FBI here, whereas uh, the Trump team, it looks like it's a bit reluctant still. From CNBC, fast food reigns supreme as inflation weighs on pricier restaurants. Many publicly traded restaurant companies have not reported their latest quarterly results from late 2022 yet. But that's not the story at fast food chains. McDonald's said U.S. same-store sales climbed 10.3%, helped in part by low-income consumers returning more frequently than they had for the prior two quarters. Executives also credited the success of its adult Happy Meal promotion and the annual return of the McRib for its strong sales growth. Yum! Brands restaurants also reported solid U.S. demand. Taco Bell's domestic sales climbed 11%, boosted by increased breakfast orders the return of Mexican pizza and its value meals. There you go. McRib, adult happy meal, Mexican pizza, the classics, bringing people back to fast food. Jill sticking with Yum! Brands there for a second. Pizza Hut also saw U.S. in-store sales grow by 4%. KFC ticked up 1% uh, over a year ago. Generally, we should say the fast food sector does fare better than the rest of the industry, especially during times of economic uncertainty, downturns, inflation. There are some more fast food earnings on deck in the coming weeks that we'll be looking out for. The owner of Burger King will be announcing earnings as well as uh, Shake Shack, Domino's, Pizza, Sweetgreen, Portillo's all in the next two weeks. Though we should note Chipotle disappointed here. And when asked about it, the executives there blamed bad weather, the underperformance of their launch of the garlic guajillo steak, and tough comparisons to last year's brisket launch. So uh, I haven't got to Chipotle for a few years now, uh, Jill, but uh, we'll see if they can make a recovery in the next few months. From ABC News, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said a U.S. ban on TikTok is worth looking at. The Democrat cited Chinese ownership of the company behind the video sharing platform. A group of Senate lawmakers recently revived legislation to ban TikTok in the U.S. in response to concern that data it collects could end up with the Chinese government. A similar measure failed in the last Congress. 
Why are they bothering? I mean, do you, is there any way this is going to pass or is this just good PR for them? Well, it's interesting because Chuck Schumer is the Senate Majority Leader, Jill. He determines what goes on the floor or at least has a, a very uh, strong influence on what goes on the Senate floor. That's why it, we're mentioning this in today's podcast because there's a lot of TikTok ban talk in Washington. But when Schumer's talking, that indicates some more oomph behind it. Though at the same time, this renewed attempt is likely to prompt opposition by the tech lobby um, and, of course, the millions of Americans who use TikTok on a daily basis. We've been talking about this for years. Remember when Donald Trump first proposed a ban on TikTok and then his aides told him, basically, you should probably take that back because if you want to win re-election in 2020, there's going to be a lot of people upset if you ban TikTok. So he sort of took that back and began the negotiation about TikTok selling uh, it's you know portions of it off to an American company. So that negotiation continues now with the Justice Department. And at the same time, Congress, as Congress does, is looking deeper into the issue. And so now you have Schumer talking amid multiple anti-TikTok bills. We'll see what comes of that. A big day on Capitol Hill uh, marked on March 23rd. Uh, in just over a month, the CEO of TikTok will be appearing before a House committee. So that could be informative in terms of what direction uh, Congress goes after that. TikTok has been on Capitol Hill before, their chief operating officer back in September before the Senate, saying the company does have strict controls over who accesses data, where data is stored, that it doesn't give data to the Chinese government. But there have been a multiple media reports with sources saying that that is not entirely accurate. Including on our special podcast that we did with Josh Rogan, uh, who wrote a book all about China. And we did that two-part special about the U.S. relationship with China. Again, definitely worth a listen if you want to have a better understanding of the relationship. Yeah, that's in the feed uh, last week. And he talks about how basically there is no such thing as a private company in China. Ultimately, the government um, does reign over all. Okay, from CNN, a push in India to rebrand Valentine's Day majorly backfired. Jill, this is my favorite story <laughs> to start the week. All right. India's government on Friday withdrew its appeal to its one billion plus citizens to mark Valentine's Day, not as a celebration of romance, but instead as hug a cow day to better promote Hindu values. Devout Hindus who worship cows as holy say the Western holiday goes against traditional Indian values. In recent years, Hindu hardliners and nationalists have raided shops selling Valentine's Day items burned cards and gifts and chased hand-holding couples out of restaurants and parks. Get away, you lovebirds, insisting that the day promotes promiscuity. So they pushed to rebrand it Cow Hug Day. Uh, it didn't really work out. No. So the declaration of February 14th as Cow Hug Day came in a statement last Monday by the Animal Welfare Board of India, which called cows the backbone of Indian culture and the rural economy. The appeal, though, attracted widespread criticism from political rivals on social media among many young people. An anchor at one of India's leading English language news channels called NDTV was even, he did a piece where he attempted to hug several cows uh, and the cows were not cooperating. Uh, he <laughs> noted in the piece, consent is important when you're trying to hug a cow. So anyway, there was a statement by the Animal Welfare Board later last week that uh, they have withdrawn Hug a Cow Day after uh, being ridiculed for it. We should keep in mind here that 80% of Indians are Hindu. The cow has long been embedded in the national psyche, deeply respected. Most states in India have actually banned cow slaughter. But Jill, I hadn't heard about this criticism of Valentine's Day there uh, until this attempt to rebrand it. And it does come as you have seen this revival of Hindu nationalism from the current government there, the Modi government. Uh, but clearly there's some pushback here. Many, many years ago, I went on a first date on Valentine's Day 
And it was so awkward because, you know, like the restaurants are all with a cow, <laughs> with a cow. <laughs> no, with, with a, it was a man, Mosh, <laughs> but it was uh, I don't recommend it for anybody out there who's still in the dating game. Just don't go out on Valentine's Day. Yeah, Ga- totally Valentine's weird. Day. Right? <laughs> exactly. Just go out with the girls. Day. Yep. All right. Now it's time for On This Day, which this week is brought to us by our sponsor, Magic Spoon Cereal. Their peanut butter, frosty cocoa and fruity flavors are all hits right now. It offers an opportunity at nostalgia for those cereals you may have loved as a kid, but you can have that nostalgia in a low-carb way. Magic Spoon Cereal offers those flavors as gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, uh, without sugar. You can head over to magicspoon.com slash monews, M-O-N-E-W-S, to grab a variety pack today. Again, the promo code is monews at checkout over at magicspoon.com to save $5 off your order. All right, let's start on this day 50 years ago this week. Jill, you might have seen that U.S. Navy flyover at the Super Bowl on Sunday. The first time ever, it involved all women pilots. It was actually part of a commemoration of what took place 50 years ago this week when women were allowed to become U.S. Navy pilots for the first time. It wasn't until February 1973 that eight women were first allowed to enter the flight school. Six of them earned their wings. And then about a year after graduating, Rosemary Mariner became the first woman assigned to pilot a U.S. Navy fighter. Now women make up about 15% of naval aviators. Now let's head over to the 1980s. 39 years ago today, the online service Prodigy was founded. This was an attempt by IBM, Sears, and CBS three powerhouse companies at the time to form their first internet company. It rose in popularity throughout the 80s, uh, peaking in the early 90s, and that's when AOL began to eat its cake. Uh, Ultimately, Prodigy would last until about 2001, eaten up by Yahoo, and ultimately the fact that the internet became bigger than having those AOL or Prodigy-style front pages. All right, now to a couple birthdays being celebrated today. We have Peter Gabriel, who turned 73, the original lead singer of Genesis. Stocker Channing turns 79 today. You might remember her as Rizzo from Greece or Mrs. Bartlett on uh, West Wing. Also 79 years old today. Woo, 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 woo. Jerry Springer. (laughs) (laughs) I I thought you were going to say Arsenio Hall with that. I didn't know where you were going. (laughs) I feel like early 90s, they were woo-wooing on Arsenio Hall, but also on Jerry Springer, right? Yes, yes. (laughs) Okay, all right. It was an animal house. You got to catch me on these things, Jill. I, I remember many days calling home sick from school and Jerry Springer <laughs> getting me through those days after the uh, Price is Right showdown. Finally, uh, one more birthday today. Coach K, uh, Mike Krzyzewski, former Duke coach, turned 76 today. And we'll end here with a couple pop culture items. Turning 25 years old today, Jill, The Wedding Singer, the film starring Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore premiered in theaters in, on this day in 1998. Julia Gulia. Exactly. <laughs> Classic, classic film. And then depending on where you stand on the whole uh, old East Coast, West Coast rivalry, Tupac, on this date 27 years ago, released All Eyes on Me, uh, the classic uh, double album that included California Love, Ain't Mad At Ya, Two of America's Most Wanted. Uh, Unfortunately, Tupac would be shot and killed just seven months later in September of 1996 in the middle of the Vegas Strip. It is still effectively an unsolved murder all these years later, though there have been a whole bunch of documentaries about it. Tupac, such a prolific rapper. He put out so much music in his very short life. Again, a special thank you to our On This Day sponsor, Magic Spoon Cereal. Remember to get your next bowl over at magicspoon.com slash monews. Use the code monews to save $5 off their variety pack. 
All right, I want to thank you so much for listening to the Mo News podcast. Please follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode and review us in the app store so we can continue to grow. Don't forget to follow us over on Instagram at Mosh at M-O-S-H-E-H. Uh, good luck to all of you getting through your post Super Bowl Monday and we'll see everyone back here tomorrow. <laughs>